Welcome to Taking a Punt, a podcast looking at the career journey of Dane Roy. It is the story of the human side of American sports and the college athlete life. Focusing on the period 2016 through to the present day in Houston, the ups and downs, the emotional and physical toll that a sport like American football can take on a person, let alone doing it on the other side of the world. The story of an Australian country boy come good in the US college system, searching for a chance in the big time of the NFL. The footy has changed the life of a Melbourne ice cream salesman. He's the country boy putting his best foot forward. I don't even have words sometimes. And I'm a guy who has a lot of words. So Dane Roy, a 27-year-old punter. Roy gets off a great punt. Dane Roy, and they're faking it. The throw completed! First down! Where do we find you at the moment? Because obviously where people are in the world right now is particularly relevant because it dictates where you can and can't go and, and what you can and can't do. But uh, where do we find you at the time of this conversation? Right now I'm uh, in Houston, I'm training there and um, it's not really going to plan. Neither is the last couple of months for anyone. So uh, I'm still in a, a pretty good position. Um, obviously the plan was to come over and... Um, and complete my pro day and then have all my, uh, my meetings with all the teams. But that was all postponed and, and kicked out of the, of like what we were meant to be doing. So um, stayed back in Melbourne for a bit now, but now I'm back in, in Houston. The plan was to work out at UH and utilize all the facilities there, but um, coronavirus dictates another thing and said uh, they were actually locking down uh, the university and you only letting in um, current athletes like they were footballers, basketballers. Um, I think that was it. Yeah. The men's and women's basketball team and the football team. But then just the other day they um, came out with some uh, coronavirus cases and they shut it all back down. So yeah, I've been lucky enough to be working out with the, um, the Houston Sabercats, which is a rugby union team and Sam Windsor, the captain there. He's um He's been helping me out, um, punting with me, letting me go to his pool and get some uh, pool rehab in. And um, yeah, we did some weights today as well. But uh, it hasn't gone to plan. But the, the whole thing is that it's still up in the air. So anything can happen. And it's going to make the most of the opportunity that comes when it happens. So is it times like this where, where maybe you might miss, miss Australia more or is it or has it been relatively comfortable to adjust or i imagine people that are around the world you might miss home a little bit more because you you are restricted and, and obviously there is this uncertainty around the place yeah it is pretty annoying because um obviously i was back home with kiara and we just got married so a lot of spare time here and um she's got a lot of spare time as well because uh, all the midwives obviously um aren't taking any uh, holiday leave and they're not doing your normal midwife um like appointments where you go to a house or you come in for other stuff. It's pretty much the midwives are just um, helping birth the baby. So there's, there's an abundance of midwives and there's, they're not getting um, uh, the casuals aren't getting the shifts they, they previously would have got. And Kiara was about to jump into full-time work after we got married and then coronavirus happened and 
that kind of put um, put her on the back burner for that. But uh, yeah, so she's been um, getting the uh, the government assistance, like all the other um, casual midwives are, are with her, and um, hopefully that'll like run its course and she'll get some work soon. But um, yeah, it's it's annoying because I've got a lot of spare time now and she's got a lot of spare time. We're in totally different countries, but if uh, if we can get through the last four years like we did, I'm pretty sure we can get through whatever's going to happen with us now. So, yeah, pretty <laughs> soon we'll find out what I'm ha- I'm doing on my side anyway. So, uh, going back to the the early part of your your life as as well, and we spoke about the the country. Can you take us through uh, your early days growing up? I think your parents, Norman, Melinda, you got a sister, Rebecca, as well. Tell us what what that life was was like. Well, uh, I was an 80s baby, technically, born at the start of uh, 89. Um, mum and dad, obviously, uh, Melinda was my mum. Norm was my dad. Um, my sister's had a few names over the years. Uh, born <laughs> Rebecca, and then she went to Becky, and now she's Beck. And, so it's uh, getting shorter, so what happens next? Uh, so B. It just becomes B, yeah. yeah. Beck with a C, and then just goes to B. But, um, <laughs> yeah, she's... She actually was the, uh, the the smart child during schooling years. Like I would not pay attention at all, and and um, yeah, wouldn't really care too much about homework, and got in trouble a bit. So um, as soon as school finished, I was like, oh, I'm out here. But uh, yeah, she's she's doing um, her masters at the moment in urban planning, and she'll be finishing that soon. And it's funny that uh, we're both still in. So I just finished, but she's she's still going, and. Um, we're like 30 as well. So that's pretty funny. But yeah, I had a really good upbringing. I was really lucky with my, um, my parents, um, very loving family. And I played every sport I could uh, find out about really. I was very competitive and, and just like learning new sports. And um, I played uh, all my sports for Bunyip from, uh, I think we had a softball team at one stage and I did little athletics in Warrigal. Um, played, um, what else did I play? Like cricket as well for the Bunyip Bulls. Um, and then also basketball for the Bunyip Bulls. But um, yeah, the Bunyip Bulldogs, we're a very like uh, smart uh, local town naming all our teams similar names. But yeah, played for the mighty Bunyip Bulldogs from 1999 to 2007. And we won a premiership in 1999 and that was my first and only premiership. And it's been a long time between drinks. I've lost a few grand finals since then. But, um, yeah, in uh, Dad was the coach of the under-18s. He won premiership in 2002 and three, I think, and we lost it in four and five. And um, uh, what else? Um, he was a, a goal umpire as well. Like he, he was um, – he did a few pre-season AFL games, like took me to Waverley Park and – I walked around with one of the other umpires kids in Waverley Park one day and there's no one around. It was a practice match between Richmond and Hawthorne. It could have just been Richmond and Richmond. And um, we just like started going through all like the, you say concession stands in America, but um, I can't remember what they're called back home. But uh, yeah, we like started pressing these buttons on something and someone yelled at us and we ran away. And I think dad got yelled at uh, by Richo that same day. He just like absolutely gave a massive spray and, but um, yeah, dad had the umpiring in him and I decided um, I wanted to be a goal umpire as well. So right when I was finishing football in about 2006, I was like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to go to the DFL and be a goal umpire. 
and my level two accreditation. But at the same time, dad was a scout for Gippsland Power and he um, put my name down for the, the what is it, West Gippsland region. So like the Bunyip and the, the Garfields and the Pakenhams or something like that. So I just went for the tryout and then um, uh, what else did we do? Like uh, I think it was in Warrigal and you just had to keep running and show that you were fit and fit enough to play that elite level. Um, so I just did it just cause, and I was waiting for a call after every weekend thinking, all right, are they going to, they're going to cut me yet. They're going to cut me. And then Christmas came around, uh, schoolies came around actually. And I went to, um, uh, Phillip Island, the schoolies. And then I just dropped down the road to Daleston to, to train while I was on schoolies. And maybe that was like what set me apart, but mate, I was hurting that day. That was, um, that was a couple of night sessions in, but, um, yeah, after that, I waited for the Christmas cut, didn't get it. And all of a sudden, I made the team and I was like, it's pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, 2007, that's, this is 2007, made the Gippsland Power team. And um, first two, first game, kicked two goals, plenty of marks and kicks. And I was like, I'm beauty. I could even play AFL. I could trick a team into thinking I'm a good player if I <laughs> keep like this. Like, but the next four over the whole season weren't as good. So I played the first three games. And then in my third game, I think it was at Optus Oval. I played Bendigo Pioneers. And I think I had a free kick and a handball. That was it. <laughs> and then played the whole season with Bunyip. Um, like, obviously, power. If you don't play for power, you have to play for your home club. So I played for Bunyip. And while uh, when I wasn't selected in the seniors, I played uh, under 18s. And there's a reason I wasn't selecting the seniors some yeah. games because I was playing against Shane Mumford or playing with Shane Mumford. So uh, the, the coaches had a, a good choice, like play Mumford, 120 um, kilogram Ruckman who just dominates everyone or play a 90 kilogram <laughs> Ruckman who gets pushed around. Rolls out of there, kicks it. Not the best of kicks for Duncan. Oh, oh the big mummify. By golly, <laughs> It's the great train coming. So, uh, yeah, played with Mumford in a couple of games, but um, I pretty much knew what was going to happen. So I just said, I'm going to play under 18s. And um, at the end of the year, Power had a few injuries and then they put me back in for two more games. So I played five in total and they went straight sets in um, in the finals and never won a game at Optus Oval. It doesn't help when you have all the finals at Optus Oval as well. <laughs> and that was coach Adrian Hickmont, Carlton. And did he play at Geelong? He did, yeah. yeah. So then bring in Adrian Hickmont, 2008, the Bendigo Bombers. He, um, he signs with the Bendigo Bombers. And as all VFL coaches must do, they must bring players with them because obviously players are leaving when coaches leaves. And it's like, hey, yeah, I'll bring a few players with you. And me being the, um, what was that? Oh, back in 2007, I'd obviously just finished school in 2006. Um, I was going from um, Holmes Glen TAFE every Wednesday, leaving at 2.30, getting to Morwell by, uh, what is it, four hours later. So I'd take the bus to Oakley, the trains in Pakenham, and then drive my ute from Pakenham to Morwell to get in time to make like an hour of training or something like that. And that was um, it was pretty brutal, considering I wasn't getting picked. But 
as um, as you can tell, been here for four years, I'm pretty committed to things. So I don't do things half-heartedly. Yeah, so back to uh, 2008, Hickmont says, all right, I'm going to um, Benigo. I've just been training with um, Casey Scorpions. And then I was like, well, I'll come to Bendigo if you help me get into the radio industry. Because um, during my time at Holmesland TAFE, I was doing, uh, we call it like uh, sports broadcasting, like TV radio broadcasting. And he was like, yeah, sure. There's plenty of radio stations up there. We'll, we'll get you into one. So um, the radio promise fell through, as you can probably guess. But um, I went up to Bendigo with a couple of Gippsland, uh, Gippsland Power players, James Bristow, Darren Granger, Chris Andres. Um, so we all lived together for a bit. Um, that's when I realised I hate living with people. Very messy. And, yeah, they're just... Yeah, it wasn't fun in the end. Um, we got flogged every week, like 120 points. So I lost my love of the game and I knew my AFL chances were pretty much gone as well. So um, I think one game they, um, they they brought in, I'm not sure if you know him, but Hayden Lane. Yeah. He used to be yeah. on Triple M. They brought him in to play in the reserves because we were <laughs> short on people and he kicked the goal. And then I went <laughs> that night with him to the football and we, um, we were in the, the Triple M booth and that's when Buddy kicked his 100. Dishes off to Rioli. Rioli shorts it. Here's the moment. Franklin's got it. Here he comes. On 99 goals. Lands. Franklin joins the 100 club. But um, yeah, my time at Bendigo was done, or Bendigo Bombers, uh, so to say, because at the same time, like I was told by Hickmont many occasions that I need to handball the ball because Ruckman don't kick. And yeah, I just didn't really understand that because there's a lot of people who like believe that, but I've been working on my kicking for a long time. I remember the earliest memory of me is kicking like a, a... a plush toy that mum made for me, like a footy, kicking it down the hallway so I don't break stuff on the walls. And dad even was measuring my um, kicks in the front yard. And I think I kicked it 35 metres one day. I can't remember how old I was, but um, it could have been a couple of weeks ago. But no, nah, it was um, <laughs> it was uh, it was very young. But uh, yeah, it was kicking the, the kookaburra, the, the yellow kookaburra. So uh, it was, uh, it's, it would have been like under... 12s or under 14s or something like that so yeah so my time in Bendigo Bombers was done didn't really like being told I can't kick when like I was a pretty good kick so at the end of 2008 Dane Roy has been playing with the Bendigo Bombers and Bendigo were a feeder club uh, within the VFL competition and for those living in America that is the second grade competition for the AFL the Australian Football League he ventured out to the country to a local team in the Bendigo region known as Kangaroo Flat. Spent a year or so there working in a video shop. 
uh, and at the local stadium as well uh, before uh, then relocating down to the south of Melbourne uh, to a place called Rock, which is an amalgamation of three football clubs, Rydale, Officer and Cardinia in the Pakenham-type area. Uh, where he worked at a local pub and for the tax department before moving to the bigger town of Pakenham, which, by his own admission, was a terrible decision with a major Achilles injury derailing his season, and he questioned his passion for the game. I should have stayed at Rock, but, um, you know, when you're young and money talks and you think, yeah, you think that's going to be a good idea, just, it wasn't. Uh, I got an Achilles injury on both feet at the same time, so... Yeah, it was weird. I was running with the Copeman Deals, you know them? I do, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the ground was like really, really hard and flat-footed as well. It just didn't really work out for me. So at the end of that year, I was like, I don't really want to play football. So I didn't. I took a year off. 2012, I didn't play any football. I um, yeah, decided to uh, take a year off and commentate local football, which came in the right time because... Three SER, I think the uh, the Cranbourne Community Casey Stadium. Radio, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, done a bit of work there. yeah. They um they had decided to broadcast one game a week, and Cranbourne paid for the, all the Cranbourne games to be broadcast. So I went and commentated um, pretty much all of the the Cranbourne games, and that's when I really liked just talking and people listening. So um yeah, that was pretty fun. But uh, I got. At the end of the year, I was like, I think I want to play again. But so, yeah, I went back to, to Rock in 2013. I can't remember the coach. I think it was Stephen Coates. But, um, yeah, I, I said, just give me 100 bucks a game. I don't really want to get paid. Like, I, I just don't want the expectation. Like, just I just want to play for fun. And so I had a lot more fun. But it just – I was – I was done. I didn't want to play in that league anymore. So after 2013, I ended up going down to uh, Richmond Central's in the VAFA because I was working just up the road in Victoria Parade in East Melbourne. So I was recruited by a Twitter random. <laughs> and now one of my great mates, Josh Sharp. So uh, he was uh, the reserves coach at Richmond Central's and uh, he won the premiership for the reserves uh, and coaching in 2014, which was a big year for the Richmond Centrals. We got to the grand final, but we um, we failed. We failed on the big stage. We lost by what felt like 10 goals, but I look back at the score, it was only like three goals or four goals. But um, it was one of the best football years I've ever had, playing-wise and fun-wise. But that elusive premiership, it was so close. But, uh, yeah, it was a... That was really one of the best years I've ever had. And I still like maintain my relationship with a lot of the, the Richmond Central's boys. And every time I come back to, to Melbourne and um, like in the football season's on, I always stop into the, the Richmond Central's for a game. Also, I go to Rock as well and try and watch them play at the same time. So then uh, we move on to 2015. And uh, I got an entry level at Peter's Ice Cream. So um, obviously met the lovely Kiara at the end of 2014. And then by the start of 2015, she had convinced me to quit my job. And um, <laughs> she, she says, she tells it a totally different way, but very persuasive. She, she told me to quit my job. And um, at the same time I had a mortgage cause I'd, I'd bought a house in 2014. 
in Oakley and um, or a, an apartment. And uh, she says, oh, I told you to quit your job if you had a job lined up. So <laughs> anyway, the job at PageMasters kind of had run, it, run its course. I wasn't getting um, anywhere near the amount of money I thought I was owed or like deserved. But um, yeah, they like to pay their big wigs lots of money. So uh, all the minions don't get any money that way. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, I got a, a job at Peter's Ice Cream through my uh, now brother-in-law. And um, that's where he started. And he's now the boss of every company in, uh, in Australia. So um, yeah, working at Peter's Ice Cream, it's an amazing facility. Like you get free ice cream on site and it's the sales driven stuff as well. So you hit your targets and all that, you get a little bit more. But I realized I wasn't, I wasn't able to climb the, the corporate ladder, so to say. And I didn't have it because I didn't have a degree to get me into those like positions. And um, you need that piece of paper that gets you in and then everything else just gets you the job. So um, I kind of was like thinking in the back of my head, should I go and study? I was like, no, I've got a mortgage. I can't really afford to do this. So I kind of just put that to bed and I was like, I'll just think of it whenever I've got time next time. Bob Dane Roy, 27 year old ice cream salesman from Oakland. This may be the Houston MVP. I know that sounds silly to say about the punter, but Dane Roy, one touchback and 46 punts. In terms of your interests growing up, you mentioned you played a lot of sports in Bunyip, basketball and cricket and softball even as well. Um, your passion for NFL, was it always there or was it something where growing up you're like, oh, I can kick a footy, but I'm pursuing this particular career. But if it doesn't fall through, which often happens with people who can kick the ball a long way, there is that tap on the shoulder that says, you know what, this might actually work for you. Was it, was it something that came as late as that or, or did you always have a, an interest in the game? I'd, uh, I'd never had an interest in NFL, mainly because like you see, like, see it on TV and you just have no idea what's happening. And yeah. then, like, your mate's playing Madden and you're like, I, I don't understand what's happening. And they're like, still to this day, I can't play Madden. Like, I know <laughs> I know what, like, plays are now, but I just, like, if you showed me, like, a screen of players, I wouldn't know if they're lining up to throw it or run it. So, it's just, it's never been there for me. But um, I, I never really put two and two together. Like, oh, I'm a big kick. Oh, I could go over there until someone literally like put them together in front of me and they said, hey, you could do this. And that's what happened at the end of 2015. So during the start of 2015, Carton Draft had, had a, um, a competition online. It just said, um, if you think you're the biggest kick in Australia, um, enter here and... Um, Pretty sure it was the, the president of the, com uh, the company, uh, no, the president of the, the snakes um, right now, but not at the time, Travis Nofke. I think he tagged me on Facebook and said, oh, you should enter this. You're a big kick. And I said, I am a big kick. I will enter that. And that was on a Wednesday. And then, oh, that was on a Monday. And then by Wednesday, they said, oh, um, come to the Westpac Centre or the Holden Centre or whatever the centre's called at uh, Olympic park hold now i think it was west yeah. back at the time so. i come to here on a sunday at 9 30 and kick and i was like oh don't have to tell me twice so um oh, I, I entered that um and on the day 
Billy Brownlish is there with like a raincoat. It is bloody pissing down raining. And it's really windy as well. So I like, I was lucky I had to kick with the fresh balls and I um, kicked the ball 54 metres or something. And I said, oh, that's not very good, but um, it'll, it'll do. And it turns out it did do because the, um, the balls got heavy and heavy over the day and the, winter, uh, the weather got worse as well. So what my bad kick turned out to be a really good kick. And then um, at barrel time, we're like, all right, let's tally it all up. And they came out with um, uh, 28 finalists, 14 one-on-one comps. So I beat my one, first one-on-one. It was um, round 22 or something like that, Richmond versus uh, North at the, uh, at the Dockland Stadium. And um, I, I won it with my first kick. The guy had two bad... Uh, he had a bad kick. I had a, like 60-something kick. He had another bad kick. Automatic winner. And then um, he was like, oh, if you hit the... You don't have to kick it, but if you hit one of the trash cans, you get 100 slabs for your football club. And I was like, yeah, well, don't have to tell me twice, mate. I'm going to try and hit it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I obviously didn't uh, hit it, but uh, I think I hit it like a 66-metre or something. So we won. Then moved on into the finals, and it was like uh, it was like three three-on-ones or something. No, three three-on-threes. Sorry, that probably doesn't make sense, but it makes sense to me. It does. Um, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> there was, uh, I think mine was um, Hawthorne were in one of the finals. I can't remember if it was a semi-final or a prelim, but um, Hawthorne were in it. And um, who did they play in the grand final that, that year? In West 2015 Coast was West Coast, yeah. yeah. So they played yeah. Adelaide in that final then. In the second and, semi, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's when it was. And I beat local uh, Superboot Kane Biscaya, who's like a... I don't know what team he's playing for these days, but like he could kick the ball out from 60. And I was like, gee, I could play against this guy. And then luck would have it. I hit some really nice kicks. And yeah, it, uh, the other guys just couldn't provide it. And then all of a sudden, I'm in the grand final. I'm going to the MCG and getting two tickets for the, the grand final and uh, get to go to the game. And kick in front of a hundred thousand people and yeah like there's nowhere to uh, to there's nowhere to warm up as well so you gotta like warm up in the alleyways around the uh the concourse and then so um my time comes it's like quarter time siren the hawks have kicked like a hundred goals in the first quarter crowd is going absolutely bonkers and i'm running out there i'm like wow look at these people cheering that's pretty cool and then I get to go. I get to go last as well, which is kind of suits me as well. I like being the, the chaser, knowing what's the set for me. First guy goes. It's um, I can't remember his name, but he, he shanked it like forty meters. Next guy is uh, um, Hayden Bergiel from uh, Mafra. He's like a, a living legend down there. He uh, he goes and he shanks it as well. And I hit one. I shank it, but I shank it like fifty something meters. So I'm winning. Next guy. Well, the first guy comes back up. Shanks it again. Mate, you're, you are gone. See ya. <laughs> and then just me and Berg's left. And I was like, if he shanks this, I automatically win. Like, that's what it's been doing. And then he comes up and he kicks his 66 metre, just absolute piss missile. And I was like, oh. And the crowd are going nuts, by the way. Like, the sirens are starting to sound. The crowd is going nuts. Like, He's just kicked it that far. And I was like, oh, I thought I was going to win. Oh, bugger. Oh, oh, well, I've got one more. Don't count me out just yet. 
and the wind is in my face. And I was like, how am I going to kick this ball 66 metres into the wind? And then um, the MC, Brody Young, we'll get to him in 2020. <laughs> he, um, I think he was saying something like, don't go yet, Dane. But all of a sudden the wind dropped. And I just looked up and I was like, that's my grandpa up there saying, I've stopped the wind, mate, go. <laughs> I went. And as soon as it hit, you know when you kick a foot in, you're like, all right, yeah. that is Yeah, you hit that, that well. Yeah. And it just took off and it was like a, a line drive and it went 73 metres, <laughs> just 81 yards for you Americans. And it, like the crowd just went nuts. And you can see my faces in the pictures there. And it's just like, oh, I've never been so happy. Well, at the time, obviously, I'm now married. So I've like, been very <laughs> From Wangaratta Magpies Footy Club, Hayden Bergall from Sale City Football Club. And finally, Dane Roy from Richmond Central's Amateur Footy Club. They've got two kicks. They've got to be a barrel. The longest one is our winner. That will record. You'll have a score with that one. I don't think it's going to beat 58, though. 58 is the score to beat Hayden. Can you do it? That was 53, Jazzy. Last kick from Hayden. He's got onto a barrel as well, ladies and gents. A left footer. That's an absolute monster. That is the siren. D-Roy, it's up to you. The last kick. We'll wait for the score. 66, he's got a beat. He's given it everything he's got, ladies and gentlemen. It's a monster! I think we have ourselves a winner. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Dane Roy. Check this out from Nathan Chapman right there. There's your footy. We are done and dusted, ladies and gentlemen. All thanks to Carlton Draft. We'll see you at the bar for a brewery fresh. Yeah, it was just crazy. But um, that kind of brought me back to pro kick because earlier in the season, I was down at the uh, Richmond Centrals and... Um, one of the coaches of the reserves, his brother. So uh, Wade Dixon was coaching the reserves with Josh Sharp. And then Wade's brother, Joel, who was punting in America at a junior college, was there for the, the, the training session. And I was like, oh, tell me about yourself, blah, blah, blah. And he said, oh, this is what I do. And he showed me some of the highlights. And I, I didn't want to be like offensive, but I was like, I can, I can do that. And I didn't think too much into it. And I was like, hey, who do I speak to? And he goes, I'll go speak to um, Nathan Chapman at, at Pro Kick Australia. So I, I called up Chappie and this is um, June or something. And he's like, come down to this random like oval. It's not really lit up in the middle of like a cold winter's night and pay me a, a fee to, um, to let me judge you. And then I'll, I'll tell you. So I have a, a go down there. Um, I show him what I can do and he's like you've got the power and you've got the strength to do this if you want um, it's this much money these are your options and I was like I do not have that money so sorry but yeah thanks but no thanks I, I can't afford to do that here's your 150 bucks have a good night see ya and then um, then we go back and then I win barrel time and that gets me a, that was meant to get me a full scholarship to um Pro Kick Australia, but Chappie somehow still squeezed me some money. So um, <laughs> I'm hoping I'll get that back out of uh, some graphic design work in the future. But um, yeah, like uh, I, I trained with um, Pro Kick Australia after the grand final because um, one of the, the prizes was I got to go to America. Another prize was I got five grand for myself and five grand for Richmond Central. So I took Kiara to America after training with Pro Kick for about two months. And um, 
We went to uh, Hattiesburg, which is in southern Mississippi. For those playing at home, that is the home of Brett Favre and Ray Guy, both NFL Hall of Famers. So, um, yeah, I learned, uh, I learned how to punt going into that. So I didn't make my, a fool of myself in front of a Hall of Famer punter, Ray Guy, who was there, part of the prize, to um, just have a hit, uh, like just teach me how to, to punt. I had no intentions of going to college just yet. So like I wasn't breaking any rules for being on campus because I didn't, I wasn't eligible. I wasn't eligible to do anything. Just, I was just there as a, as a holiday maker. And then he was like, oh yeah, you could do this. You've got the power, you've got the strength and all that. Like if you keep going, you could do it. And I was like, oh, all right. And then like I got thinking again and then spoke to, um, Chappie and Johnny, they're like, all right, um, this is what you need to do. So it was just, it, everything just fell into place. And then when we were in uh, New Orleans, we, were, uh, we watched uh, the Saints versus the Panthers and it went to overtime. I think Cam Newton won that game. It was back in 2016. And then we went to the, um, the casino and uh, I looked up at one stage. This is a Saturday night, so um, before the NFL game. Saturday night, I look up and every TV in the casino had a different game on, or I thought it was a different game. I'm like, what's on the TV? And they said, oh, it's college football. I said, you are kidding me. These, this is crazy. Like, look how many people are at the games and look how many are on TV. This is college. This isn't like RMIT versus Melbourne Uni. Mm. And um, no, it wasn't. It was a totally different thing. I'd never even expected that. So when I came um, back home, oh, uh, we went via um, LA and I met uh, Chris Tilby, who was at USC, and he gave us a tour of the facilities. And let me tell you something. The USC facilities with like some sort of FBI thing, like it went down a ramp <laughs> underground, under like the, everything. And there's like a whole indoor field in there with weight room and stuff and that was crazy. And I thought, I could get this. So when I went back to Australia, I said to Johnny and Chavin, I said, what do I need to do? I want to get over there. I want to be a, a, a punter. And then they told me what I needed to do. At the same time, I said to my parents and Kiara, I said, I'm going to do this. And Kiara, I would like you to join me. Because mum was like, oh my God, what are you doing? You've got Kiara. You don't move. <laughs> but, um, um, I know, I know what I've got. That's what I'm trying to have both. I wanted my cake and eat it too. <laughs> so yeah, um, I realised that college football was huge and it could change my life. And it was goes back to I had a job and I wanted to study, and it goes back to that at the same time. It's like, oh my god, now I have a chance to study, get a degree and still keep my apartment and paying off and stuff like that. So um, it, it just, as I said, it all fell into place. So when I told um, Kiara and my parents my plans, um, I think we all ended up crying at the cafe in like East Melbourne <laughs> and stuff. Like so it wasn't uh, the best way to tell them all, but um, yeah, they understood in the end. If you look at the number of Aussie punters right now in our game in college, take five, six years ago till now, I, I know that number has increased rapidly. So then in um, 2016, rocks around, it's January, I'm studying for the SAT, because like I haven't done any studying since I left high school in 2006, and it's, it's the jury's still out whether I studied in that year at all as well. So 
it was um yeah i was in a library and i'd been training for like two three months with pro kick and um they'd uh, they'd been sending my film to a few interested schools and um i got a call uh chappy i think told me a couple of days earlier he goes oh we really think you should go to houston and I was like, all right, let me Google where that is. And I was like, oh, that's down south. That's a um, nice climate. And does it snow in Houston? Oh, it doesn't really snow. So, yeah, that's good for me. And, um, yeah, so I was, in the, I was in a library in Oakley studying. I don't know why I went to a library, but it sounded like a good idea at the time. And <laughs> then the coach of uh, Houston called me, uh, the special teams coach, we Coach Washington, and... Um, he, uh, he offered me on the spot there and um, I was like, oh my God, coach, thank you for that. And then Chappie knew where I was. He's like, he's like hey coach, uh, Dane would show more uh, emotion and, and yell, but uh, he's currently in a, a library right now and he doesn't want to get too loud. So um, yeah, I was like, wow, this is big. I, he goes, yeah, I'd like to offer you scholarships to the University of Houston. And I was like, this is yes thank you <laughs> thank you so um yeah like i'd been I'd been training with pro kick and um i'd also i was lucky enough to live right next to a, a like a soccer field in oakley jack edwards reserve and i could punt there all the time and and um get better and i was also living right near like five ten minutes away the, the gym that the pro kick players used uh, conquest fitness with uh, dave uh, I can't pronounce his last name. It's like Tunavai or something like that. But uh, he knows what he's doing. I went to him every day at 6 a.m. We did all our uh, trainings together with all the other boys. And everyone ended up hating me because I needed to get my workout done in the morning to go to work. And then no one else worked. So they're like, why are we here so early? But I was like, <laughs> you don't have to follow me, guys. But um, it, it really works. Um, my, uh, my schedule, like I'd go lift in the morning at six o'clock. I'd finish, I'd get to work at eight or eight 30, depending what shift I was on for Peter's ice cream. And then after work, I'd go and punt. It just, it would, it worked. It, it fell into place. It was just meant to be. So yeah, I trained uh, the gym a lot. Um, I ended up putting on like 10 kilograms by the time I left for the USA and that was, that's not fat either. I got that later in the USA. So <laughs> I just changed from being like a skinny bean pole to like a medium bean pole. So, um, yeah, I finished at Peter's at the end of uh, about mid-May. Had about a month off before I left just to clean up some loose ends and tie up some loose ends, sorry. And uh, did a lot of family things before I left. Is there a fascination over there with the way Australians kick the ball? I mean, obviously, you're going oh, back to the 80s with Darren Bennett, obviously Nathan Chapman himself, Sav Rocker, uh, yourself and, and various others. There's obviously a few in the system now, but do they ever sort of sit there and, and almost act amazed or seem amazed yeah. by the, the way and the penetration in our kicking? Mate, it's crazy. They, um, they are in awe of some of the things we can do with our foot. And I was like, well, yeah. you guys can do some crazy shit with throwing the ball. Like, you're like, oh, I'm going to hit that dot right there. And I'm like, oh, you can't do that. Like, mm. And it goes straight through. I'm like, how did you do that? Because that <laughs> that's really good. And then I'll kick the, the ball and I'll be like, I'm going to hit the crossbar. Or I'm going to kick this ball into the trash can. And they'll be like, or I'm going to just going to pass it from 20 meters over there to you, right? I'm going to hit you in the head. You better catch it. And then the catcher, they're like, wow, you just did that. 
and I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this my whole life. It's not, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, everyone can do it. So, so you've moved over in about June. Uh, I understand you took three suitcases over. We always hear stories about, you know, the, the bare bones and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've gone via Sydney. Can you, can you sort of take us how, uh, or take us through the, the move and, and the first impressions? Oh, yeah. So, I packed. Um, it, I packed too much, but um, I thought I wasn't even packing a lot. Then all of a sudden, I had three suitcases worth, and um, yeah, parents and Kiara all joined me, and my sister as well, Beck. We, they all joined us, uh, joined me at the airport, and I managed to get one of the suitcases free because <laughs> the lady who was on the gate didn't realise she didn't charge me for it. So. <laughs> You get your two suitcase limit plus one and she just forgot to charge us. So, yeah, um, said goodbye to the family at the gate and that's when Kiara realised she doesn't like saying goodbyes in front of people and <laughs> it's really hard because, like, we want to be emotional together and there's, like, yeah. even though it's our family, it's like we just want to be, just have that time together yeah. knowing that we don't know when we're going to see each other again, like, Hopefully it'll be in like a month or two, but I think in this case it was a bit longer than that. So um, yeah, I jumped on the plane. Um, I said goodbye to him. I made sure I, I looked back as I was walking down the tunnel and gave him a wave. And I think everyone was crying, and Mum was like crying again. By you, I'll tell you this, but Mum cried when I told her I was moving to Bendigo. I got the call from Hickmont. And he was like, yeah, move to Bendigo. <laughs> And like I packed up within like a weekend and then I just headed up there. I don't know why I headed up there before Christmas. That was a dumb thing. But anyway, I digress. She <laughs> <laughs> cried for that one. And I was like, I'm only three hours away. But uh, this one, it's understandable because yeah. I cried. Yeah. I think um, just because I, I, it's such an unknown. Like I know this is the right thing to do. Like I definitely know this is the right thing to do. But it's just Doesn't so, mean it's not hard. Yeah. 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 Like what's going to happen? And then if I'd known what's going to happen, oh my God, like that's, yeah, that's some tough times coming up. But so uh, yeah, we went um, via Sydney and then uh, the 16 hour flight to Dallas, Fort Worth, which um, me and Cheech had already been there from um, when we landed, uh, when we went back in December 2015, like we went to New Orleans, like we both ran through the airport to make our connecting flights because yeah, you know how you cut it close with some of these things. But um, yeah, while I, I had like a four-hour layover in Sydney, and um, so uh, someone hit me up with a, um, a Qantas lounge pass. I think it was my, my best man, Carl. So Shuey's like, here, have this. I don't need it anymore. So I'm making myself a, a Jack and Coke or a Bourbon and Coke or something like that. And I'm just stirring around. I'm just having a sip and my phone goes off. And I was like, oh, what's this? And it was my, my football coach in Houston. It was Coach Washington. And he's like, innocent guy, whatever. And he's calling me. He's like, how you going, Dean? And I was like, Coach, I am at the airport. I'm waiting for my big flight to Dallas. And I got a drink in my hand as well. And I like lifted up my glass of... Um, <laughs> Uh, bourbon and coke or jack and coke or whatever and he's like what do you got there oh, so <laughs> got, uh, it's free free alcohol in here mate it's in the lounge so i've got a uh a, a, i've got a whiskey and coke 
And he's like, oh! And then, then apparently he went to the staff meeting and told the story in the staff meeting. So when I got there, everyone thought I was an alcoholic <laughs> just drinking cocktails. He goes, you were drinking a cocktail? And I said, no, I was just drinking a whiskey and coke. He goes, oh, well, we call them cocktails. Um, <laughs> all right. But yeah, so like people were just laughing like as I got there because they heard that story. So yeah, that was pretty fun. And Dane wasn't lying. The airport FaceTime story spread like wildfire through the University of Houston Football Department with former Director of Athletic Communications David Bassetti, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons, telling us a similar story. The first time, uh, you know, when we kind of knew that this wasn't your normal freshman, you know, our coaches could, could FaceTime with them. Um, you know, the day, the day we started classes, they could officially, you know, finally talk to him. So they FaceTimed with him. He was in the airport in Australia getting ready to, to take his flight. And he was on FaceTime and, you know, conversation of just, you know, a long flight. He's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, I've got my bourbon here, so I'm good. <laughs> you know, 18-year-old, of course, the, the drinking age here is 21. So it was like, all right, this isn't your, uh, this isn't going to be your, your typical, uh, your typical freshman. Well, that's yeah, the Australian yeah. reputation a little bit too. We, we, yeah, we don't that's, want to drop. So. That's, um, that's, that's a big reputation as well. Like a lot of people have said that. They're like, oh, I'm not drinking with you, Arsie. You guys is crazy. <laughs> well, mainly because we drink a lot because like our, our portions are like standard. Yeah. You know what you're drinking. So you can just keep going. Like in America, they might be like pouring you a drink and it's like, hey, how you going today? You're like, oh, a bit too much of that. Oh, you can still have it. And then it's like, <laughs> what, how much was in that? And like, oh, yeah, just one drink. But yeah, that one drink could be a big, big drink. But um, as you can tell, I go off track a bit. But so yeah, so it landed in Houston. So when we landed the previous year in Dallas, we noticed that all around it was just barren flat land and it's like where are we like obviously being a melbourne boy like you can see mountains everywhere and it kind of like it was a bit of a shock to the system so to say and i was like where where's your where's your mountains why is it so flat and i was expecting texas like houston to be like desert and cactuses and stuff apparently that's like a west texas thing albuquerque new mexico or phoenix arizona all that stuff but um yeah i was kind of a bit off by that but yeah we landed finally landed in houston uh, really hot very hot i'm talking about like far north queensland hot like tropical rainforest mm-hmm. hot like that dense humidity yeah. and stuff Sapping, so, yeah. Um, yeah picked up at the airport by um my coach coach washington and uh long snapper zach ferris and um obviously very uh, hospitable people as well. So really happy with that. Like they helped me with my bags and I, um, and we went to a tour of the campus. So um, we're driving towards the campus. It, it, I think the airport's like 30 minutes away. Like that airport's like 30 or 40 minutes away, which is um, it's not the best because like it, it is the international airport. But yeah, and then as we were driving down, I realized I left a bag at the airport and it was... Hmm. Um, it was one of those the check bags and I was like, Oh my god, I forgot I had three bags, so and a carry on and all that. So the coach was like, That's no, all right, we'll we'll pick it up um after dinner or something like that, on the way to dinner. Yeah, so um we toured the school and uh got to go to the stadium. There's a picture of me at the stadium and as soon as I got there, it is hot. I'm in jeans and shirts, mm-hmm. sweating. But um yeah, it's re- 
pretty surreal experience just seeing everything for the first time. So we, he goes, what do you want for dinner? And I said, I think I want Texas Roadhouse, which is like a steakhouse, <laughs> this Texas thing. Like, you ever had Lone Star yeah. Cafe? It was yeah. like that. Like there's, they give you, I think they give you peanuts. I could just remembering that. But, um, and then uh, they give you this like uh, bread before your meal. And it is the sweetest bread you have ever had. And the butter is a cinnamon butter with like sugar. And like, Americans go crazy for this. And it's like, you're not going to eat that. I'm like, no. And then um, people were just like, what are you doing? That's the, one of the best things. That's why we come here. Anyway, I got, I got um, my ribs and then um, we went and got the bag back and we had to sign for stuff or something because the airport was pretty dead by then. But um, yeah, I, um, it was, I got there early because they wanted me to um, acclimatize and acclimate myself to the culture and the everything and all that. It's obviously a big thing. And that's why I got there early. Everyone usually gets there in like August. So I get there in June and then I find out my scholarship doesn't start until August. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be like on the wrong visa then because my visa said I need to start school within 28 days. So chaos is about to just like rain down. As you heard there, chaos was certainly about to rain down. It brings us to an end of episode one of Taking a Punt with Dane Roy. Plenty of challenges, plenty of highs and lows. More of that to come as we continue our journey with the country boy trying to make it big in the U.S. 